Welcome to Some Assembly Required, a bi-weekly design podcast where we discuss a range of topics from tech, industrial and product design, and sustainability. I'm Pablo Samoilis. And I'm George Wyeth. We're both product designers from the University of Sussex. This is episode eight, Just for Fungible. Last episode, we discussed NASA's Perseverance rover and its potential answers about life on Mars. Be sure to check out that episode and any others that take your fancy after this. So yes, just for fungible, we're talking about NFTs. Um, as a very brief definition, we'll go ahead and read off the Wikipedia bit and then talk about it. A non-fungible token is a digital file whose unique identity and ownership are verified on a blockchain. NFTs are not mutually interchangeable, and NFTs are created by uploading a file such as digital artwork to an auction market. So... In layman's terms... Yeah, it's a little bit of a complicated one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it is a complicated one. But in layman's terms, fungible tokens is basically money, right? So pounds and dollars, they're fungible. Because if I give you six pounds and you already have four pounds, you then have ten. Fungible mm. means they can be added together and changed around, basically. Non-fungible just means it's unique. There's only one of them. So if you have an apple and I give you an orange, those are two separate things. They cannot be combined. Yeah. But obviously that's still a bad example because you can get two apples. So it's unique pieces of art. And basically how they work in this context is people are assigning a digital file, a token, which basically verifies that it's one of a kind, and then they're selling it. So it's a way of basically selling art as you would kind of selling a Picasso, but virtually. Mm. You can sort of think of them as a digital authenticity tag or a digital signature, almost, yes, by an artist. basically, that's, that's essentially what they are. Yeah. So the fun and exciting concept behind NFTs and what's got a lot of the digital art world and a bit of a craze surrounding them is the way that they can sell art in that manner, which is now still attributable to the artist. Um, so in, in, as an example, the way it works for digital art, normally when you post something on, online, anybody can kind of copy that image and it's extremely hard to sort of trace and keep a, as a verified, yeah, this is an original by this person. Um, but it, NFTs sort of give a solution to this and it's, it's almost like, you know, you walk into the Louvre and, you've got, and you see the Mona Lisa. Now, anybody could buy a print of the Mona Lisa in the gift shop. So anybody could have the Mona Lisa, in essence. But that's not the Mona Lisa, and everybody knows that, that that's not the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa, there is only one, and there cannot be any more. And that's the idea of NFTs, is that, you know, there is only one, or well, they can split it into multiple, but there can only be a certain number of NFTs, which is decided by the artist or the person who mints it exactly so yeah in essence that's what they are and they run on blockchain which is the kind of integrated outsourced technology that cryptocurrency is based on the idea is it's um deregulated everything is run across every computer that uses it and it's completely transparent it's completely public and it's verified by all users so you can't forge it you can't fake it it's a fantastically secure system the downside, of course, is it's terrible currently for the environment. Mm. 
And that's just because the computing power required to use it is really high. But as NFTs have kind of, they've existed for a while, but they've become popular recently. And, you know, people are questioning, are they a bubble? Are they not? But at the moment, they're really popular. So we've had some sell for crazy amounts of money. Yeah, so there was an, a digital artist called Beeple, who I believe sold a uh, NFT for, I believe it was around $69 million yeah, recently. Something like that. Which is, you know, that's huge, huge sums of money. That's, that is the sort of sums of money that you talk about in the proper art world of collectors and, you know, physical artists in that sense. So it's, yeah, it's, it's certainly changing the scene for digital art online. It has, absolutely. Now, I think where I find this idea more most interesting is with kind of small-scale artists and individuals. Obviously, NFTs have been hopped onto by big businesses, organizations, celebrities. But I, I honestly think that's less kind of valuable and important. You know, we've had Taco Bell in the, and the, um, why have I blanked on the name? Yeah, so we've obviously, we've seen Taco Bell, we've seen the NBA, we've seen DC Comics, various large organizations come and sell NFTs. And I think that's a lot, a lot less kind of interesting and slightly more abusive of the platform than watching artists really create and sell and build their own kind of creativity. Mm. It's almost, for the, for, the larger, for the larger things, it's almost just another avenue for capitalism. Exactly. But for the smaller people, it's, it's an avenue to get recognition for the work that they have done and the recognition they deserve. Yeah, and it comes with the most amazing kind of verif part of the verification that I think is fantastic is if a piece of art is resold, a certain royalty still goes back to the original artist, which is something that's never been possible before and I think makes so much sense in terms of kind of digital ownership. And it's an ex exciting innovation for the art world as well, to be honest. Exactly, about. very much so. So now that we've given you that little bit of an introduction, we are going to be welcoming a guest this episode. Uh, Kai Morton, she is a NFT artist of her own. And yeah, let's get into it. So there you go. That's been a little introduction to NFTs and what they are. And now we have a guest. We have Kai Morton. Hello. Hello. Hey, guys. Uh, would you welcome like to, to kind of, the show? Yeah, welcome. <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself a little bit about you for our listeners? Yeah, so um, yeah, my name is Kai Morton. Um, I'm a current college student studying information systems and entrepreneurship um, at the University of Baltimore, um, or University of Maryland, Baltimore County, sorry. Um, but yeah, I started getting back into my art and uh, making some NFTs at a, a few of my pieces. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's like really a, cool. A, yeah. So Kai and I know each other from school. She was in the year above me in California. Yeah. And I actually kind of wanted to start by asking before NFTs, like what kind of art did you do and what I, get, I guess brought you to NFTs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So before like NFTs, I guess started blowing up now, I kind of just posted my art like on my personal Instagram page and just kind of did it on the side not really I guess taking it super seriously um but definitely in high school I posted my art a lot like more 
because I had like a DeviantArt account and I was like very active on that platform. But once that started kind of dwindling out, I just kind of stopped posting my art and just kind of, I don't know, did it on the side and didn't think of it as much. Um, but I kept doing it and I uh, just even recently got like an iPad and I kind of got started getting even more back into it. So, yeah. And it was always digital? So, no, actually, I started like drawing when I was like, I don't know, like probably like eight or even earlier than that, really. But it was mainly like just traditional, just like drawing on paper and sketches and stuff. But um, eventually I got to high school and literally like my first year I was in a digital art class and um, with Mr. Fam, actually. And yeah, yeah, Mr. Fam. Yeah. <laughs> He was the best teacher. But yeah, I just fell in love, literally fell in love that year. And I just, my mom bought me like a tablet and I would just draw literally every day rather than doing my homework. So, yeah. Cool. So then when did you first hear about NFTs? So I literally am still very, very like fresh into the space, I guess, in terms of like the NFT side of things. Um, but I've kind of been involved, like, I guess on the more tech side, um, because like, obviously I'm in school for information systems. So been learning about just like how to utilize blockchain technology, but not really, I guess the artistic aspects of NFTs, but, um, I don't know. I was in like, I think I, I don't even really know how to describe like the sort of like, what was the singular thing that like kind of brought my attention to nfts but i'm thinking it was probably on some room on clubhouse that i just kind of stumbled into and i kind of went down a rabbit hole of just like researching and finding articles and eventually found this site called rarible which was pretty popular for like beginning nft artists to post their art and i posted a piece that i made like i worked on over the course of the week and like some random night like it sold and I didn't even understand what had happened. I thought like somebody had probably like stolen my art or some shit like that. So did it feel yeah. quite risky at first when you? Yeah, it it definitely did. Yeah, it definitely did. Cause with like minting and posting your art like as an NFT, like you have to have some buy-in power and like actually pay to do that. So that was i guess the scare for me because i'm like a college student i obviously not like working a full-time job or anything like that right now so i literally use like my last kind of pocket change to post my art and just kind of took a risk um because it sounded really interesting and i wanted to try it out and yeah and it ended up paying it off like just some random collector ended up picking up my piece and that was i guess kind of the catalyst for me to be like okay wow like i could really I don't know, start posting my art and like post the things I want to post and make the art I want to make and kind of like explore all these different ideas I have. And yeah. Cool. If I could ask, what did that first piece sell for? Uh, I think that piece sold for like $300. Yeah, like around $300. Yeah, that's pretty good. So what would that be in Ethereum? Like 0.4? No, it's less than that even. I think it was like listed for like 0 0.1 ETH or something, which is about uh, 300, almost $400. So yeah. Cool, cool. That must have been pretty exciting yeah. to see it first. Yeah, yeah, it was really exciting. 
I was definitely scared at first because, like I said, I thought, like, I got scammed or something because, like, I guess the first thing in my mind wasn't like, oh, wow, I sold a piece to somebody who, like, actually appreciates my art and more like, oh, no, like, I lost <laughs> money and, yeah. Yeah, totally. And we, we can talk, we'll talk more about the copyright side of things a little later. Yeah. But I guess now that you've joined the community, I mean, I only know this by seeing a lot of your tweets talking to and interacting with other artists. Yeah. How do you think kind of NFTs have affected small artists and kind of small, you know, communities of people who digital art communities, basically. I think, I don't know. I, I'm not saying, I guess that digital art was devalued in the sense, but I definitely think like there was definitely a different connotation between like a traditional artist and then like a digital artist. Like I guess traditional artists were just taken a little bit more seriously. Um, for whatever reason but now like with nfts like it's kind of just opening the doors for like the entire art community because like you can be a digital artist and already kind of like i guess versed in all these different platforms that you can like sell your art through or post your art to like twitter and instagram and stuff like that or you can be just like a traditional artist that's doing i guess the same route and still be able to like post your art to like a nft platform um so it definitely opened the doors for just like different kind of artists to like actually be able to monetize their work in a way that wasn't like i guess as labor intensive to do like to sell prints or something like that it obviously takes like a lot of work um on the artist side um so yeah but um yeah it's definitely just been like a really welcoming and open community like honestly like even like compared to DeviantArt like that I was the, another community I was a part of like years back like it feels like even more supportive than that just because I don't know like artists that you followed for years and like you've known for years who've like done, made amazing works are like kind of finally getting I guess their flowers for like the hard work, work they put in which is really validating for like the entire community whether like they're artists or a collector um so yeah yeah, I think it's really powerful if you think about, you know, digital artists and small artists in general get so often asked to do their things for free. Yeah, exactly. And this has suddenly enabled, I guess, an expectation that people will actually pay you for your work. Exactly, yeah. When you set up your uh, NFTs for your works, did you did you include the technologies for it to have the resale trickle back to you? Is that something that you've try it out yeah so i know some platforms don't really have like a kind of native way to kind of handle like how royalties are kind of distributed to the artist and to kind of set the percentage of royalties but for rareable which was which is one of the most i guess like popular open and like non-curated nft platforms they offer like um, a kind of field in the minting process which allows you just to like set how much how much I guess you get out of the percentage in royalties if your piece is sold like on the secondary market um so yeah I definitely played with it I I only have about I think three different pieces out on or four actually on rareable um but yeah I kind of just kind of experimented <laughs> between like 10 to like 20 percent with royalties um but I don't know. I mean, I'm still not <laughs> selling on the secondary market or anything, so I can't really say anything about like how that experience is. But I've definitely seen like a lot of artists I follow and admire, like being able to see like a good kind of like chunk of change from just 
their art being resold to other collectors, which is really cool. Yeah, I honestly believe that's possibly the most kind of exciting part of this. Because I think there's been a fair amount of criticism of how NFTs work at the moment Mm -hmm. that I feel maybe in the long term, they're not necessarily like the future. Yeah. But what they've enabled in regards to artists continuing to get royalties for something they've made. Yeah. I think that's really powerful because if you think about, you know, traditional art, someone, you know, Vincent van Gogh made something on commission to some rich guy who then sold it or like their grandchildren sold it for 10 times the money yeah, and the artist got nothing. So I think that's the really powerful part of it. And I'd love to see where kind of we think how that's going to become present in other markets, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting, I think, to see. Yeah, because with it being just basically anything digital, I saw that Kings of Leon have sold NFTs of their new album they've released, so it's even trickling into yeah. the music industry as well. Yeah, it's really big. I think like a lot of artists are releasing, especially on like Nifty Gateway, is a really popular one for artists right now. So you talked a little bit about like your kind of worries when you first sold and, mm-hmm. um, you know, think you might be getting scammed. And obviously like NFTs are a fantastic form to allow verification that you're buying and selling an original art piece and making sure that the money's going to its creator. But at the same time, there've been cases of people stealing other people's arts and then minting it. Yeah. Which of course, once something's minted, that's the original. Yeah. So... Have you heard of any, I don't think you've had any of experiences that yourself personally, Yeah. but have you heard of people having it within your community and are there any kind of solutions in the pipeline or ideas you've had? Yeah. So I haven't really, yeah, it hasn't happened to me personally and I don't really, I'm friends with a couple other artists, but um, I don't think I've heard anything happen to them, but definitely for like the larger art community, especially for like. I guess the some of the artists that have been around for like a long time posting on Twitter and Instagram with like really large followings, I've seen a lot of them get their work um, like kind of plagiarized basically and published as an NFT, which is really disappointing because I mean, like NFTs is still like a kind of emerging technology. So like having that connotation that like it's enabling the theft of people's art is kind of like not a great like thing that kind of i guess helps its image um yeah it's really bad press especially because like i think that's all that's been in the news around them in like the last three four days yeah which is not at all what they are yeah exactly but Mm -hmm. i think it's definitely a good conversation to be having like this early especially because the tech like people forget is well the blockchain has been like around for a long time like the erc 721 like standard has not been around for that long like it's relatively new so being able to like work out these kinks like really early in the beginning and kind of i don't know create regulation i guess from the platforms and just i guess in terms of like the legal sense as well because i see some like copyright and um infringement lawyers kind of getting into the mix too to try to stop these things from happening so i think that's good because i mean everything's gonna have like some growing pains and have to work out you know the kinks in the system so I'm glad it's happening, like, I guess now rather than, like, when there's, like, more mass adoption. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You mentioned the framework that NFTs are built on. I don't know if you know much about the technical side of it. Mm -hmm. 
I do, do you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I kind of know. Like, I'm still pretty new. Like, literally just started like a month ago or so, a little over a month. So I know some things. Like, it's definitely, I guess, like the contract. I guess is called the ERC seven twenty one standard, which um is like based off of or like a different variation of like ERC twenty. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, that's definitely like the way that all NFTs were like able to be made because they kind of created this contract called ERC 721 and kind of changed the way people could, I guess, interact on the blockchain by like enabling them to share art or media, I guess, as like tokens, um, and kind of tokenize the things, um, that they create. So, yeah. Yeah, so we'll have gone over this uh, before just in a little introduction, but yeah. as a reminder, the idea of non-fungible tokens are each individual item is unique. So, you yeah. you know, with money or Bitcoin, I can give you three Bitcoin and then you have seven Bitcoin. Yeah. Whereas if I give you a piece of art, you have that piece of art as well as your others, but they can't be combined. Yeah. So is that kind of the framework that, is it Ethereum specific or is it just a framework that was then built into Ethereum? I. I'm not actually sure, but I I think it may be Ethereum specific because I, I know there's some other other like platforms like Cardano and like Tezos or some some stuff like that that are like based on another kind of system where they don't use proof of work and said they use like proof of stake, I I think, if I'm not incorrect. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually interesting that you brought that up because proof of stake is one of the things that people have started to mention yeah. as kind of a solution possibly for the environmental problems. Yeah, for sure. I honestly don't know what the difference between the two is. <laughs> I think I kind of know. I <laughs> From like what I've like done in terms of research, I think it's like proof of work is like kind of, it makes miners like have to like put in a lot of kind of computational power to kind of figure out, I guess, like the seed of i don't know the transactions that they have to process to mine on the blockchain so that's what i guess proof of work is because they have to show that they did that work to kind of be validated on the blockchain and then on the other side of things with like proof of stake it's instead i i'm not really positive like what the what they do instead but it's like moving away from that and moving away from like mining being the main thing that's like creating value and changing it so yeah so that, that 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 ties really well into the um kind of environmental side of this now blockchain as a technology obviously doesn't have much link to the environment mm -hmm. but the way it's being utilized with um proof of work is incredibly incredibly bad for the environment mm -hmm. and I, I had a few stats. There was a site that has literally been taken down as of today that mm -hmm. used to used, used to put be able to put in a um, an NFT like code of your kind of purchase order or whatever, and yeah. it would tell you how much energy it has cost to do that. Yeah. Um, but it was being used to um, basically targetly target attack yeah. uh, artists. Yeah. So they were saying, "Hey, this thing you've sold, you, you're screwing up." You know the equivalent of like 10 people's energy for a year and it was it was all targeted attacks yeah. now obviously some of the arguments were valid but you shouldn't be attacking people because of it exactly yeah 
So I guess I'd like to kind of go into, you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin use a really high energy consumption Mm -hmm. and kind of a single transaction can be up to the same amount of power as like a family would use in four days. Yeah. Which is obviously huge. Yeah, Yeah. that's quite shocking really, actually. Yeah, it's really big. And there've been, you know, various arguments of ways to potentially improve it. But mm. it often runs back down to people just talking about Ethereum 2.0. Yeah. And to me, at least, that sounds very similar to, you know, big oil companies saying, like, we'll be green by 2025. Yeah. When it doesn't really mean a lot. So I guess from your insider perspective, are there movements or ideas, obviously, um, you know, that could improve this? Yeah. So I think... Um... I don't know. I think these like are very good discussions to have, but like I think the main thing for like me and other like I guess crypto artists like that's the thing I guess that we're kind of like hang on is the fact that like um it's still very new, so like people are still learning, even the reporters who are like reporting on these things and figuring out like the energy consumption of like the blockchain and um NFTs themselves, like all this research is very new and um, like you kind of have to be careful in that sense, like of like what information you're actually consuming, because like all information has a bias, of course, but like also like some of the facts may not all like all be there. Um, but from what I understand, like um, in order to kind of interact with anything on the blockchain, like I guess you consume blocks. And from my understanding like that, the energy consumption of an individual block on the blockchain stays the same whether or not like there's nfts being traded and it's just like the cost of operating on the blockchain not like i guess put onto nfts themselves that are kind of causing energy but just the platform i guess which is ethereum and the blockchain itself um yeah that's a very good point and i think i'm just it's worth reiterating that people are complaining about nfts just because they're what are popular in the moment. You know? yeah, yeah. If they didn't exist, these environmental issues would still be there. Yeah, exactly. And although within, so within the amount of like cost per transaction, mm-hmm. in general, an NFT will have a slightly higher cost than buying, you know, straight up crypto. Yeah. But it's not a huge difference. Yeah. And the, the big fact is the foundation the- is always going to use that power. Yeah, for sure. Do, do you think that there's an element of over analysis of these side of things because of crypto and nfts being a new technology where if you sort of obviously i don't know about know know the answer to this um Mm -hmm. but if you were to do those sort of environmental analysis on the trading done by wall street for example yeah i feel like it's quite likely that you'd find similar sort of environmental damage per transaction over there but yeah Maybe crypto is just being analyzed extremely heavily because of its yeah. new, yeah, new, I th- newness, I suppose. I think it's definitely the newness aspect, but I think another like big aspect in terms of like, the, where the criticism is coming from is because it's so transparent. Like That's something that's really crazy about the blockchain is that you can like actually know all this information. It's not like... Um, like kept out of like the main like general public's hands, so you can access like the information about like every transaction and like the energy consumption, like kind of like at the snap of your fingers, basically, which I think is a good thing because like it creates a lot more, I guess, like honesty Mm. about like the platform itself. And um, 
it's not something you really see, like you don't really normally see until maybe the end of the year, like a company posts, like how much like carbon emissions they created or something like that. But like for the blockchain, like you see this data in real time. Um, so I think that's something that's really interesting. And that's also kind of, kind of probably where some of the criticism comes from because like these other like industries, like, like Wall Street, you mentioned, like you don't see that. You don't see the carbon emissions numbers. Mm. You can't really calculate it because it's like kind of hard to, unless you're like in that sector and have access to that private data. So with the blockchain, like it's completely different and it's, it's kind of open source for many people to look at, um, which I don't know, I guess, I don't know, makes people kind of more speculative about the emissions costs in, in comparison to other things that probably take up the same amount of carbon emissions. Yeah, yeah. it absolutely, most definitely kind of raises extra people asking questions. Yeah. Just because it's live. Um, I found a very interesting kind of memo anal analysis that was written by the same person who had uh, the site where you could put in a crypto transaction and see how much it had cost to the environment. Yeah. And he goes really in depth into kind of how everything's working right now, as well as listing a lot of eco-friendly NFT platforms, Yeah. none of which I've heard of, which I think is just a sign of they're all very small at the moment. Yeah. And many of them you have to apply or be invited to join. Yeah. But one of the few, the things that he kind of goes over as being sustainable necessities are having a statement of values. So these platforms need to be quite public as to what their values are and committing to communicating with people around the environment. Obviously the transparency is already there, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And the other thing he suggests is mm -hmm. them having a very clear roadmap of how they're going to move towards being clean, which is, you know, lazy minting, having alternative change, using proof of stake, all of those kind of things. Yeah. And I think the other one that he mentions that I'd be interested to hear your take from as an artist is he suggests that if crypto artists put a certain percentage of their profits towards um, carbon neutralization. Mm -hmm. That is a very from the ground up approach, you know, similar yeah. how we have kind of community based organizations. So what I mean, what would you feel about, say, if you were kind of asked or inspired to donate five to 10% of the money you make to um, carbon offsets? I definitely would, because that's actually really like funny you mentioned that, because one of my friends in the art community, actually, um, Daniel, um, He's like a collector and an artist, um, but he basically just had a show that um, the main focus of it was for artists to kind of like um, donate, quote unquote, their work um, for this auction that would like, I guess, give like the artist's choice of proceeds to like offsetting carbon emissions, which was like a really good step because it's like inviting a lot of um, smaller artists to kind of contribute like what they can to like offsetting um, these carbon emissions and doing their part so like i'd love to see more stuff like that like daniel himself is like very good like he's amazing at what he does and is a really good community organizer so being able to like um do more things like that like i think is like a good step in the right direction and will kind of change how nfts um are kind of viewed i guess in the popular media um but i think it's definitely like a big thing to explore especially for platforms themselves to kind of have some kind of roundup opt-in like if you're um paying for fees to the platform there's obviously should be like or could be a way for you to kind of round up maybe to the next dollar and kind of um, donate those um 
like that currency to like offsetting carbon emissions, which would be something really interesting for, I don't know, maybe those companies to tackle themselves or have some kind of Chrome extension or something like that, because I'm sure it could be done and it'd be really interesting to see. Yeah, I think anything from that to requiring a percentage of profits to be donated to including it in the minting fee. Yeah. You know, they're all solutions. They just need to be done, basically. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I guess on that, uh, you know, as we kind of wrap up this, where do you think NFTs are going to be in like five years? Do you think they're going to last? Or um, if not, what do you think is going to kind of grow out from them? Yeah, so I think, um, I don't know, in the community, like it's very split, I guess, between people saying it's a bubble and it's going to burst very soon or like within the year. And then other people like, no, this is like life changing and it will change like how the world works, I guess, in terms of like how they value cryptocurrency and I don't know, just kind of um, artists work in themselves. So I think it definitely will be around for like a long time now, because even like past, like right now, like they've been a thing for a while and they just weren't kind of like, I guess, getting this mass adoption that they're starting to experience now. Um, so when we see like more artists, especially kind of start to understand more about the blockchain and maybe understand that there is also more, I guess, greener options to minting your work, um, they'll be like very attracted to the field and we'll probably see a lot more artists joining and, and in turn some more collectors joining because like collectors are not even always just collectors who just have like bunches of money sitting around. Like it's also artists who are also able to like help the people around them and help the ecosystem grow. Um, and even like besides this individual artists who've been like putting in the work, like you definitely see like a adoption in terms of these larger companies. Like I like that's been like big discussion, especially on Twitter about like these big platforms kind of adopting the NFT route. But I think that will definitely kind of change um, how even different companies like in the media and entertainment space kind of interact, especially for like, on the entertainment and gaming side of things. Cause like um, right now we just saw like DC say that they're thinking about getting in the NFT space. And right before them, it was like art station. And once all these like big companies start getting in, I think that's when we'll kind of see like, I guess the tippy top of this peak of NFTs and a lot more people start to kind of flood in and kind of see what it's about, which will be really interesting. But I think they're definitely like gonna be around for a while. Yeah, I, I fully see that. I'm I'm more of the opinion that they're a little bit of a bubble in the yeah. sense that like in a couple of years, they'll probably have disappeared. Mm. But I think until then, they're going to be big. Yeah. And what I'm most excited about is everything they create, all the kind of standards and redefinitions of digital art. Yeah. Even if NFTs themselves disappear, that's going to stay forever. Yeah, for sure. And I think no matter how it forms, that's what I'm most excited by. Yeah. George? Yeah, I think it sets an interesting kind of precedent for those sort of things moving forwards. And as Caillou was saying, it it can reach into these other things that you mentioned DC. I was kind of picturing I'm a big I'm a big Marvel fan. I was kind of picturing, you know, those sort of industries like the film industries could easily yeah make money by selling almost kind of selling movie M- M- NFTs of their movies. You yeah. know, you could you could own a few frames of Infinity War. Yeah. And to a lot of people, that would be a very exciting idea. Yeah. And it could certainly 
cement NFTs as part of a wider society. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think that kind of wraps up this little segment. But Kai, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Yeah, it's really fascinating to have you on. Yeah, it was really a good yeah. conversation that we had. Yeah, anything in particular you'd like to plug? Um, I don't know. You can follow me on my Twitter. Um, my Twitter is a um Kai K I Morton M O R T O N, and um, I don't know. I'm on Clubhouse too. I have the same name on Clubhouse, and yeah, I'll just be posting more of my art and some projects I've been working on on my Twitter and stuff like that. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check out Kai's stuff. Really, really cool art. I've, I've loved seeing it on my Twitter feed. Thank you. And yeah, otherwise, thank you very much for listening. If you decide to go buy an NFT, if you decide to make an NFT, A, tell us about it. B, consider donating some of that money to an eco-friendly source. It is really important. We want this technology to do something cool and preferably not, you know, damage the earth in the process. So yeah, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed this, why don't you share it with your friends, family, co-workers, and your blockchain? Unlike videos and blogs, podcasts have no algorithm for recommendations and we rely entirely on your word of mouth. Yes, we do indeed. So follow us on Instagram at assemble.it for a deeper look into the show and our own work, including behind the scenes, outtakes, projects, and updates. Yes, also follow Kai at Akai Morton on Twitter, as well as Clubhouse and other places. And remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends, family, co-workers, and the blockchain. We'll see you in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Some Assembly Required is co-hosted and produced by Pablo Samoyles and George Wyeth, and edited by George Wyeth. Music is by Mikey Burtwistle. This is a 7-6 podcasting production.